What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. just gonna dive into today's episode there's not really any news or updates or anything yes that we want to share right now and um i think a lot of people are waiting for this episode so we're just gonna dive right in so this is part two of the disappearance of madeline mccann and if you haven't heard part one i highly recommend you go listen to that first I went through all of the details of who the McCanns are, what their vacation to Praia de Luz, Praia de Luz was like, and then I also talked about the first years of the investigations into Madeline's disappearance. So, highly recommend you listen to that one first if you haven't already. Right. But if you have, here is part two. Okay. So, the first few years of the investigation included two sets of suspects, One, which was Robert Murat, a man living in Praia de Luz, and then Kate and Jerry McCann, Madeline's parents. Both of these suspect sets, though, were no longer suspects as of July 2008, and after that, the case kind of went cold with no new leads. So on May... uh, I wrote May 11th. I know it's 2011. I guess it's May 11th, 2011. Unless I messed it up. But in May of 2011, <laughs> okay, British the British news outlet The Sun published an open letter from the McCanns on the front page. In Ooh. this letter, Kate and Jerry were asking the Prime Minister, David Cameron, to set up a new inquiry into Madeline's disappearance. And this letter actually led to 20,000 signatures on the new t- newspaper's uh, petition for intervention. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, how could it not? Like, a letter from the parents of a missing little girl. Like, yeah. I'm glad that that, that helped bring, bring some more attention. More awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you remember from part one, Theresa May was the home secretary in England at the time. And the day after the letter was published, she wrote a letter to Paul Stevenson, who was the commissioner of the London Metropolitan Police. And this letter was informing him that the Portuguese police had agreed to work together with a new British inquiry. And 24 hours later, the English Prime Minister David Cameron announced Operation Grange, which was the Scotland Yard inquiry that I mentioned at the end of part one. So this was going to be financed by the Home Secretary Office Contingency Fund, and it included 29 detectives and eight civilians. Operation Grange was led by Commander Simon Foy, and there were three detective inspectors, including Andy Redwood, who was a part of the Scotland Yard's Homicide and Serious Crimes Command. There were also five detective sergeants and 19 detective constables. So from May 2011 through March 2019, the cost of this inquiry would amount to almost 12 million pounds, which is over $16 million. Wow. Yeah. 
This was initially an operation looking into how the investigation was handled, especially because if you remember, there were basically a lot of different groups in England specifically that were looking into this disappearance, but it never really was cohesive at all. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how this operation began, but by 2013, it turned into a full-blown investigation into Madeline's disappearance. Okay. They investigated over 8,000 potential sightings of Madeline over the years, and if you have done any research on this case, or even if you Google it, there's whole pages on here's all the disappear- or all the potential sightings of Madeline, and yeah. so they looked into over 8,000 of these. They also read and examined tens of thousands of documents and created age-progressed images of Madeline. In the first four years of the investigation, they had taken over 1,300 statements, collected over 1,000 exhibits of evidence, and investigated 650 sex offenders. They also had looked into 60 different persons of interest. Unfortunately, though, this did not lead to too much in those first years they just weren't really making any progress now were they doing that in the uk or were they doing that in portugal so they were working together with the pj the portugal police so i don't know you know where exactly they were probably both yeah i think it was kind of a combination they were really the whole point of the inquiry was kind of to make the investigation more collaborative yeah. between the two and so yeah i like i know a couple of the interviews that were done they would have both the pj and then somebody from this group there or like the british police there so they were definitely okay. working together gotcha one thing that they did kind of more or less debunk i don't know if it's necessarily debunking it but just they looked into this and kind of found an answer was the tanner sighting So if you remember, one of the McCann's friends, Jane Tanner, saw a man walking away from the Ocean Club carrying a little girl in light pink pajamas. At the time, many believed this could be the person who took Madeline carrying her away. But in October 2013, Operation Grange investigators were able to identify the man that Jane Tanner had seen on the night of May 3rd. There was another vacationer who had picked up his daughter from the resort's nighttime daycare thing that you know Mm. the McCann's could have used but he was carrying her back to his apartment at the time that Jane Tanner saw this man and the Scotland Yard actually took pictures of this man wearing similar clothes to the ones that he wore that night and they noted how similar it looked to what Jane Tanner had remembered and they also were able to match his daughter's pajamas pretty closely to what Jane had reported. So DCI Redwood, which was the Scotland Yard homicide and serious crimes investigator, said they were, quote, almost certain the Tanner sighting was not related to the abduction. So again, it's not like fully ruled out, but the timing of when this man was walking and what he was wearing and what his daughter was wearing does kind of match up. Did he come forward or did they just... Like, have another witness who saw him or, like, how... Yeah, I don't know if he came forward or if he maybe... They were looking at other people that were staying there at the time and then, like, reached out to them and figured it out through that. I don't know exactly how they figured it out, but that was kind of one big thing that came from Operation Grange was that they were able to, like, again, not really debunk it because, you know, that's not the right word, but they were able to figure out that this was most likely him. Right. Okay. 
So in the beginning, it seemed as if the Operation Grange team was looking into some type of burglary gone wrong. DCI Redwood said they were looking at, quote, a criminal act by a stranger. They were thinking there had been either a planned abduction or maybe a burglary that Madeline had accidentally disturbed. They cited that 17 days before Madeline disappeared, there had been two burglaries in the McCann's apartment block where the burglars had actually entered through the windows. So this was definitely interesting and something that I think should Mm. have been looked more into in 2007. Maybe Uh, they did and they found that wasn't relevant, but I do think it was interesting that there was kind of an increased activity of burglaries in the area around that time. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's one theory that I want to throw in here because it's definitely something I've personally thought about. And a lot of people consider this very unlikely, but I just want to throw it in here. So we're covering all of our bases. So this is the theory that Madeline had possibly left the apartment herself to like go look for her parents and that she was either abducted or fell into one of the nearby open construction sites Which, again, they probably would have, like, looked in those, I'm assuming. Yeah. But the main reason that this theory is believed to be unlikely is because the gate to the patio and then the back door were both closed when Kate McCann went to 5A to check at around 10 p.m. So Madeline would have had to open and close both of those Mm. if she left. And so this was just unlikely. She was only almost four years old yeah Yeah. and like she had just woken up like she probably wouldn't be opening and closing both of those properly no i don't think so yeah So, so yeah just had to throw that in to cover the bases but very unlikely in 2013 dci redwood said quote On one reading of the evidence, the disappearance did look like a pre-planned abduction, which undoubtedly would have involved reconnaissance. So Operation Grange kind of started focusing on the Smith sighting and other reports of men hanging around apartment 5A at the time that the McCanns were staying there. In October of that year, they actually created a staged reconstruction of the crime scene and it was broadcast on BBC's Crime Watch. So during this showing, they also released the efits of the Smith sighting of the and of the other men seen around 5A. So if you remember in part one, I talked about how the McCanns did get these efits of the Smith sighting man mm-hmm. back in 2009. Uh, after like it was like a private investigation but they did not release them to anyone but the police they just made the decision to not and so the public had never seen these sketches of the man that marion martin smith had seen on may 3rd until now oh so a few days after the reconstruction and sketches aired on crime watch the portuguese inquiry was reopened the Portuguese attorney general said, quote, new elements of evidence justified the continuation of the investigation. Okay. I can kind of see why they didn't release the photos at that time because there was like, didn't you say at one point that Mrs. Smith thought that the dad, like she saw the dad. Yeah. So she very well could have been mistaken with all of it. So I I can kind of understand why they waited to. I can too, but also like, when they got those images, it was 2009. Your daughter's been missing for two years. Like, wouldn't you want to release anything? Yeah. But, yeah. Know, maybe they had another reason for it. That's true. Yeah. 
All right, so there are a few more leads that came over the next few years that I'm going to go through briefly just to be thorough, but know from now that none of these ever panned out, but I do want to go through them. Okay. In early 2014, investigators were looking into cell phone records of who used cell phones near the Ocean Club Resort around the time of Madeline's disappearance on the night of May 3rd. They identified three men, one who had previously worked as a bus driver at the Ocean Club, They interviewed these three men in June 2014, but they were never able to find any connection to Madeline's disappearance. They also found that a former Ocean Club restaurant worker had used his cell phone near the restaurant that night as well. This man, whose name is, and I'm going to butcher this, Euclides Montero, (laughs) probably said that wrong, but don't, don't come at me. But this man, he had been fired from the resort in 2006, so the year before Madeline disappeared. And this was after he was suspected of breaking into apartments to steal drug money. Oh, wow. So they thought, like, oh, maybe this could be a lead. This man actually died in 2009 in a tractor accident. But his widow told investigators that he had previously been questioned about break-ins involving sexual assault. However, once again, he had been cleared by DNA evidence and they couldn't link him to Madeline's disappearance. Okay. There was an Irish man who was a a potential suspect for a little while. This man had been in prison in Ireland for the sexual assault of his four daughters. And when he was released, he had moved to an area of Portugal that was about 25 miles away from Praia de Luz. He was there when Madeline went missing. But again... They couldn't find any connection. Mm. Another suspect was a Swiss man that I will also butcher his name probably. Urs Hans von Aish, I think. Sounds good. I tried to look these up, but like they don't There's have nothing. Yeah. yeah. These aren't like big names or anything. So yeah. And they're it, irrelevant but... in the grand scheme of things because nothing panned yeah. out. So yeah. Yeah. So this man had been convicted of a 2007 murder of a five-year-old Yelena Lenhard. Wow. And she disappeared in July 2007. So that was three months after Madeline. However, it was reported that he was living in Spain when Madeline disappeared. So that one didn't pan out either. Okay. The last big lead in the Operation Grange inquiry was Clement Freud, who was a broadcaster who had been accused of child sexual abuse. He had a home in Praia de Luz and actually had befriended the McCanns not long after Madeline disappeared. Ew. Yeah. But his family said that he was in the UK when she went missing, and I guess they were able to verify that. So, again, didn't pan out. There's a lot of sickos around this mm-hmm. case. It's kinda... There really are. I mean, there's a lot of sickos in the world, period, but... Hmm. Yeah. In June 2014, the Scotland Yard and the PJ, which, again, is the Portuguese police, they began a new search in Praia de Luz. This included dogs and archaeologists who helped them dig up over 15 acres of wasteland in the area looking for anything in connection to Madeline. But this search, once again, led to nothing. Hmm. So pretty much not much happened after this for the next five years. Um, Operation Grange did continue to receive funding and they continued to follow up on leads, but there was never really 
anything concrete. In 2020, though, German police announced that they had a suspect that could have been could have had something to do with Madeline McCann's disappearance. They Hmm. also announced that they believed that Madeline had been murdered and that this man had something to do with it. Hmm. He was initially identified by German prosecutors as Christian B. German suspects at some level have like an anonymity allowed, but his name was either leaked or it was actually released at some point. So we know it now. His name is Christian Bruckner, and he is a German man who is currently serving seven years in prison for the 2005 sexual assault of a 72-year-old American tourist in Praia de Luz. What the fuck? Yeah. That's like, that's almost, well, it's not as bad as a child, but that's like really like preying on the vulnerable, you know? Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and just as, like, a side note, I've heard his name pronounced differently. It's spelled, like, really weird because it's a German name, or really weird for me being American. <laughs> um, and I've tried to look it up, but it's not said a ton in reports and stuff, at least not by Americans. So I've mostly heard Bruckner, so that's what I'm going to be going with. But please nicely correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to know if I am wrong, but I'm going to be calling him Bruckner. I feel like there might be a in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Bruckner or something like Bruckner. that. But yeah. And before I get any more into this story, I just want to give an additional trigger warning. There will be a lot of discussion of sexual assault and specifically child sex abuse. So I just wanted to mention that. I won't get into any details, of course, but I just wanted to give that additional warning. Yeah. This guy's a royal piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So, Bruckner was a known sex offender in Germany, Spain, and Portugal, and he had a criminal history with the drug trafficking, with, not the drug trafficking, with drug trafficking, theft, and child sex abuse. Mm. At the time Madeline disappeared, Bruckner had apparently been living in a house that was about five miles from the Ocean Club Resort in Portugal. But it's also reported that he owned or lived in a shack that was just two miles away. Okay. He also had a yellow VW camper and was seen driving that around the area of Praia de Luz when the McCanns were there, including just days before Madeline vanished. So this is kind of just all placing him in that area. And then the day after Madeline disappeared, Bruckner's 1993 Jaguar XJR6 was deregistered to him and registered to a new owner. And shortly after that, he left Portugal to return to Germany. Okay. Those are all suspicious things, but not necessarily guilty, but you know. Correct. But I will note, I didn't write this down, so I don't know, I don't remember the exact details, but he had basically been in Portugal because he was wanted in Germany for some sort of crime. So he was kind of like hiding Country hopping? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting that he returned to Germany knowing that like he was wanted there. I don't know. Just an interesting side note. Yeah. But even more compelling 
there was actually cell phone evidence that linked Bruckner to the area of the Ocean Club Resort on the night of May 3rd. So his cell phone was active in the area that night, and he even received a phone call at 7.32 p.m. that ended at 8.02 p.m. And as a reminder, Madeline disappeared sometime between 9.15 and 10 p.m. So we don't know where exactly this pinged. You know, if he lived two miles away, I don't know how close they can match it but they have kind of tried to get public attention of whoever was on the other side of this phone call please come forward because it might have information you might know something so it's amazing that they can even do that like see who Mm -hmm. all was in the area based on that so crazy so this did happen but at the time you know in 2007 when they were investigating he had left portugal and returned to germany and so they never were able to really investigate him or link him to Madeline at all. So in 2017, Madeline's story was being broadca- broadcast all around the world because it was the 10th anniversary of her disappearance. Bruckner was at a bar in Germany with a friend when one of these broadcasts aired, and he told that friend that night that he was the one that had taken Madeline. He said he, quote, snatched her and that he had been stalking the family for four days beforehand. Sick. Sick. Sick if you really did that and sick if you would lie about it. Yes. So this friend thankfully went to police with this information. Good for you. Let's give him a round of applause. (laughs) I know, really, literally. Like, most people probably wouldn't. So, yes. So this was in 2017, and German authorities seemed to basically take time to investigate this before going public with it in 2020. Wow. And no, like, shade to German police at all, because also, like, if this was just a quote-unquote normal tip, Mm -hmm. it might have taken a long time to actually get to it, especially in a case as big as this. They probably still get tons of tips. So in June 2020... After the German police announced that they had a new prime suspect in the murder of Madeleine McCann, investigators went to search Bruckner's home in Hanover, Germany. So they brought sniffer dogs, an excavator, and ground-penetrating radar, searching for three days in his, like, garden yard area. Mm-hmm. They seemed to walk away with nothing from that search, but they also were keeping everything very close to the chest, so we don't know if they did possibly find something else. Now, as police started looking into Bruckner, they also suspected that he was linked to many more sexual assaults, some of children, and even another murder. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through those, a couple of them. I think he they've linked him or tried to link him to some more, but these are kind of the main ones that he's he's being linked to right now so one was the disappearance of five-year-old german girl inga garrick in 2015 her family was on vacation in wilhelmschiff (laughs) again i tried to look it up but they only said it in german so (laughs) i couldn't pronounce it but wilhelmschiff german i think germany i mean and so her family was on this vacation and Inga disappeared into the wooded area behind the house they were staying in. They obviously immediately were searching for her. And just like Madeline's case, Inga's disappearance hit national news and there were many big searches for her and she was never found. Hmm. 
there are some eerie connections between Madeline's disappearance and Inga's disappearance, including that Inga went missing a day before the eighth anniversary of Madeline's disappearance. Whoa. So again, could be a coincidence, but right. it's a little eerie. Both girls were also blonde-haired and blue-eyed, and they were a similar age when they disappeared. In February 2016, an anonymous tip in Inga's disappearance led police to a farm that was 55 miles away from where Inga disappeared. The owner of this property was Christian Bruckner. So police searched this property where Christian had been living in his van. They searched, they were searching for evidence and they eventually found bones buried on the property, but they belonged to his dog. However, what they found under these bones was insane and disgusting. Mm. Buried deep in the ground were six USBs that contained a huge amount of child sex abuse materials. You said US what? USBs, like the little USB drives. Oh, USBs. (laughs) Yeah. I probably should have said USB drives. I was thinking United (laughs) States bees, like peas, (laughs) cheese. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. USB (laughs) drives. They contain a huge amount of child sex abuse materials. That's disgusting. Yeah, I actually knew that. There was like 8,000 different things or something. I don't remember. Yeah, so that's my next bullet. Police reported that they found over 8,000 pieces of evidence related to child sex abuse, including young girls' swimsuits. Gross. Yeah. That's so gross. So, Bruckner was charged in relation to all of this. However, they did not find anything related to Inga. Hmm. So Inga's disappearance was closed in 2017, basically saying that they were accepting tips still, but it was pretty much a cold case. It seems like in Germany, they kind of, when a case goes cold, they close it, but it doesn't, it's not the same thing as like when a case is closed here. Right. Like it's solved. In the US, a case, yeah, it won't be closed until it's actually solved. It'll just be a cold case, but it seems like over there it's closed, but that doesn't mean it's never going to be investigated again. Okay. So that happened in 2017, but when Bruckner was named a suspect in Madeline's disappearance in 2020, the investigation into Inga's disappearance was reopened. Good. And then there is another child that police are investigating Bruckner for another child disappearance. So this is the disappearance of six-year-old German boy, Renee Hassey. And Rene was on vacation with his parents in Portugal, just 25 miles from Praia de Luz, when he disappeared from a beach in 1996. Mm. So he had, he was kind of on a walk with his family on the beach, and he had kind of run ahead and just disappeared. And his mm. footsteps just stopped. So somebody snatched first, him. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of trying to say maybe he ran into the ocean or something, but sounds like someone snatched him yeah and then there is the murder that they are looking at Bruckner for for this is the murder of 16 year old Corolla Titza Corolla was on vacation in 1996 at a Belgian seaside resort there she met a man with an East German accent and she was last seen with this man at a bar before she just disappeared six days later her body was found in some nearby dunes 
Corolla had been raped and murdered, but unfortunately her case also went cold, being closed in 2016. But just like Inga and Renee's cases, Bruckner is now being looked into for her death. Okay. So the last one I'll talk about here, Bruckner is being investigated for the 2004 rape of an Irish woman named Hazel Behan in Praia de Rocha, Portugal. Hazel was in her apartment when a masked man broke in, held a knife to her throat, and then raped her repeatedly. Hmm. In 2020, when Bruckner was named the main suspect in Madeline's disappearance, there were details emerging about the 2005 rape that he was currently incarcerated for. And when Hazel heard that, she called the Scotland Yard saying, quote, My mind was blown when I read how he attacked a woman in 2005. Both the tactics and the methods he used, the tools he had with him, how well he had it planned out. I puked, to be honest with you, as reading about it took me right back to my experience. So Hazel now believes that he is the man who attacked her that night. She's the 72-year-old woman? No, she oh. um, was, I think she was 20 at the time, but she, when she heard about the 72-year-old woman. Oh, okay. I and gotcha. that story, she was like, this is the that's same him. guy. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of all the crimes, the big crimes, at least, that I could find that he's currently being being investigated for, of course, along with Madeline's. There are also reported transcripts of Christian Bruckner speaking in a pedophile chat room about sexually assaulting young girls. So that just gives you an idea of who this man is and what he may be capable of. Mm -hmm. So again, he's currently being investigated for all of those. And right now he is still in prison for that 2005 assault. Good. Now, in August of this year, 2021, police finally went and searched one of Bruckner's second properties in central Germany. So he had a house in Braunschweig, Germany. Which is probably the way Americanized way to say that, but <laughs> do my best here. So it had been reported that when he purchased this property, he had told a friend that he wanted a basement with soundproof walls. So just kind of creepy. He lived here from 2013 until 2016 when he sold it to a woman named Sabine Selig. She noticed that there was a 10 foot deep basement. But at the time, she just didn't think much of it. You know, she just bought this house. But in 2020, when she learned that Bruckner was the prime suspect into Madeline's disappearance, she contacted the police and allowed them to come search. So Mm -hmm. there is a photo of the entrance to the basement, which many call a dungeon. And I'll post that on our Instagram so you can go look at it. But it isn't even like a normal basement entrance. It's basically like what looks like two holes in the ground going into what does kind of look like a dungeon. Have you ever seen the Lovely Bones? Yes. Like that? Yeah, kind of. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That gave me creepy. chills. That gave me chills. Mm-hmm. So neighbors of this house reported that Bruckner had excavated the floor of the house digging out a 10-foot-deep, 20-foot-wide hole himself. And another neighbor said that they had never seen Bruckner working in his garden, but that he would spend a lot of time in the backyard shed. And one even said that he could never hear Bruckner working in the shed, which he thought was kind of weird, and he he thought because of that that Bruckner must have soundproofed it somehow. Mm -hmm. So these neighbors, a lot of them believe that police should look into that shed, 
And Sabine has been super helpful and basically has said, like, come look at my house, come investigate anything you need. And they haven't really reported what they've gotten from this search. Again, this was in August of this year, so just a couple months ago. But it's definitely interesting. Yeah. So, according to the Daily Mail, as of October 9th, 2021, German prosecutors are 100% sure that Christian Bruckner murdered Madeline McCann. Quote, German prosecutor Hans Christian Wolters said investigators were confident they had the right man and had sufficient evidence to charge over the 2007 disappearance, end quote. Well, that's interesting. That's a a big, I can't think of the word that I'm trying Leap. to say. Yeah, but like very confident, you know? Yes. So you must have something really... They have to have, and they haven't shared what this evidence is. And the German prosecutor, Wolters, he said that there is no forensic evidence and that everything is circumstantial. So they technically Mm. still do not have proof that she is not alive, and they don't have any actual forensic evidence linking Bruckner to her alleged murder. So I'm like, what do you have that makes you 100% confident? But maybe there's something that they're just not sharing with us that you know, like a witness account or something that they haven't shared. Yeah. So they are currently working to gather evidence while he serves his other sentence, and they said they are hoping to charge him next year, which, yes, we all want answers, but props to them for doing the investigation properly so that he actually will be convicted if he is guilty. Yeah. And Wolters has asked the public for patience while they work on the investigation, saying, quote, we have time on our hands because he is in prison. Yeah. So they're basically saying, you know, he's in prison right now, so we want to get this right. And, you know, I give them props for that. In June of this year, this is also just another note that I wanted to include in here. A handwritten letter entitled Christian Bruckner Press Release was published by a German tabloid. Bruckner is believed to be the author of it. It's not confirmed, but everybody thinks he is. And in it, he accuses prosecutors of, quote, perpetrating an unbelievable scandal by starting a public prejudice campaign against him. So, yeah. Dude. The letter (laughs) also basically comes at German prosecutor Wolters and saying that he has brought shame to the German legal system and demanding that Wolters resign. Hmm. And then according to article in Independent, quote, The letter, dated 8 May, was reportedly accompanied by a hand-drawn cartoon of two people ordering filet forensics at a restaurant, perhaps in reference to Mr. Wolter's comment that there is no forensic evidence to suggest that Madeline is dead. Which is just so sick. Again, like, whether you did it or you didn't do it, like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Just stop. And I don't think they're too worried about this. If anything, I mean, in my eyes, it shows that he has something to hide. Because if he didn't, wouldn't he just come out and say, like, I did not do this, you know? Yeah. Instead of trying to, like, divert the spotlight away from himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, we typically kind of try to always report facts. But because this is such a crazy case and, you know, we both have heard and seen a lot about it. I want to hear your theory, Andrea, and then I'll share my theory. So I will definitely say um, when I first heard this case um, that I did think that maybe 
the parents or some of the other adults that were with the parents had something to do with it. I never, I never thought that they just outright um, murdered her. I thought like, if anything, it was like an accidental thing and they tried to cover it up because it looked bad or whatever. Um, But knowing a little bit more now and like, thinking about it more now, I definitely think that it was a outside person who saw an opportunity. I do think that they were probably watched slash stalked for days, whatever, um, prior to taking her. I do find it weird that she was the only one that was taken, but I guess it would be difficult to take more than one child if you're just one person. Yeah. Um, But I feel like the person who took her like fixated on her and planned it out and probably saw, hey, these parents are leaving their kids every single night. Yep. And maybe even checked the door, maybe even had this whole plan, you know, of going in. And it was just like a perfect setup for him. So, I mean, if he was like, their apartment was at the corner right on a public street. So he could have been across the street watching them come and go and knowing, you know, okay, timing it and knowing 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yep. Exactly. As far as Christian being like my number one suspect, I think it is very probable, but I'm not 100% sold on it. Yeah. So I, I like, I need to hear a little bit more like definitive. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the word? Evidence. Evidence. Sorry. My brain's yeah. just like not working today um, <laughs> before I can be like, okay, I believe it's definitely. Yeah. Him. Yeah. I agree with you. I feel like I'm like 80%. Bruckner's responsible but like 99% of me thinks that it was somebody outside of the family and friend group when I watched the Netflix documentary I knew nothing about the case pretty much and I was kind of thinking that the parents were involved at the end of the Netflix documentary but after doing all of this research myself I just cannot put together even just physically how that would have happened like yes Mm -hmm. the canine evidence is sort of compelling yeah. But the car wasn't rented by the McCanns for over three weeks after Madeline disappeared. So the theory that they used it to transport her body, like, how would... It doesn't add have... up. Yeah. yeah. And I just can't see how either because there was, you know, witnesses that saw them in the restaurant that night. So how would this all have happened? And they were so quickly able to put her body somewhere that nobody could find it. So I just... I can't see how, even if it was an accidental overdose or something, I don't see how they could have just disposed of her body without being caught with all the searches. So yeah. I just don't think there's any way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like the the footage of the parents like being interviewed and stuff, it was very um, unnerving. Like obviously yeah. everyone grieves differently. Everybody responds differently to different things, but it just seemed very cold you know? Yeah. But also, they could have been just, like, shut off. And shock, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That that was why, I think, in the beginning, I was like, maybe? But, yeah, I was like, there's no way. There's just no way they could have really pulled that off, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I want to hear your guys' theories, too. So, please tell us what you think, either on Instagram, at inhuman underscore podcast, or what's probably easier is in our Facebook group, Inhuman, a true crime podcast, because then we can all chat about it more easy, easier, more easily. Easily, I think. Easily. 
Yeah, English. It's fine. Or just easily. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, check out our Facebook group. I'll post it there and it'll be posted on Instagram as well. But I am hoping that what Walters is saying that they want to bring a charge in 2022 will come true. I am manifesting that shit. Like, this girl deserves justice. And if her parents are truly innocent, they deserve closure and for the spotlight to be off of them because it has been for years. Absolutely. And I hope whoever did do it, I hope that they will, you know, or come forward about like where she is too. Yeah. Because that is a big deal. Like you, I don't think anyone can ever really have closure until they bury their loved one. So yeah, I think you're right. If she's, which I I feel like she is deceased. I do too. So yeah, that my friends is the case of the disappearance of Madeline McCann as of October 18th, 2021, when you are listening to this episode. So we'll definitely update if there's anything, any breaks when things come out. But in the meantime, don't forget to leave a rating and or review if you're listening on iTunes. And if you're listening elsewhere, be sure to follow us. I don't know what else you can do on other platforms. <laughs> follow, subscribe. Like, yeah, do all the things so you never miss an episode. Um, and just a reminder, if you have any case suggestions, the best way to send them to us is to email them at to inhumanmonsterpod at gmail.com. Yes, we check it every day so you yes. get it yep. whereas like instagram sometimes we have to filter through the messages and stuff so yeah yeah that's just the best way and then we can just write it down right then so yeah with that we are going to sign off and i'm gonna go think about something other than this because this is what i've been doing all day because i procrastinated and <laughs> did my notes right before recording. So this has literally been my life for the last like five hours. So I'm going to go uh, maybe watch some Loki or do something a little bit, a little bit softer. Go watch you. I can't believe I forgot you. Oh my you. God. I know. It's, I, I've seen like the first episode and a half. It's really good so far. Good. It better be. I feel like this, yeah. like the first, was it two seasons? Yeah. They were both really good. So yeah, my expectations are very high. I know. I've heard some people say they're kind of disappointed, so I'm kind of nervous. No! I know. But (laughs) so far, it's been good, so we'll see. Okay. All right. So, yeah, guys, go watch you uh, if you need, (laughs) I guess, a break. At least it's It's not really. (laughs) It's a, like, psychological thriller, but. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's felt fake, so that's good at least. Yeah, it's fake. (laughs) So, yeah, we will see you on Thursday, and until then, keep it human. Bye. Bye.